Let's face it, people have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. And their temperature balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. The smart beds even automatically respond and adjust to your movements so you sleep comfortably all night long. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com you're the mom the maid the keeper of the cookies you do it all and you look good doing it it's parenthood on a mother level here's your host denise hanitka hey everyone i'm denise hanitka and this is on a mother level so glad you are here with us for our very first episode of 2021. And our first guest is a fantastic one. Her name is Jillian Mayen, and I want you to meet her for several reasons. Number one, if you're in the Quad Cities area, she is going to be filling in for Angie Sharp on Good Morning Quad Cities while Angie is out on her maternity leave. Number two, I just think Jillian is a fascinating woman. So you could say perhaps that Jillian and I are dating, okay? We are mom dating right now. We met on a blind mom date. And you're going to hear about how that all unfolded and how that led to this new opportunity at WQAD News 8. Spoiler alert, I snatched her up so that no other station could have her because she is just that fantastic. And I know the Quad Cities is going to really like her. But you are really going to like to hear about her journey as a refugee, you could say, from Chicago to the Quad Cities, how she met her husband, her journey in local sports, all the way to finding her dream job, and then maybe finding out that her dream job wasn't fulfilling her. And so she's going to explain all of that. And we also have a great conversation about gender in the workplace, gender in sports, and what a little maturity does for the way that you look at your coworkers and other women in your field. And it ended up being a great conversation. And I think you're really going to enjoy it. And then stick around for after that, because I want Jillian to break down the very first episode of Matt James's season of The Bachelor with me. He is the very first Black Bachelor in the franchise. And so far, it seems like he has definitely won over the women in the house, or at least they're going to stick around to get a FabFitFun box. I would do the same thing. I think he's going to have a very intriguing season, and so we'll break down why. So that is all coming up on this episode of On a Mother Level. You can follow me on Instagram at On a Mother Level. And if you're brand new to the show, if you go to that Instagram page, I posted a top five of my episodes from last year by download, the most popular episodes from last year. And so if you don't know where to start and you're not sure which one to dive back into, go to that Instagram page, give it a follow, please, and check out the top five because they really are some deep episodes, some really raw episodes back in 2020. And most of them that were the most popular happened before the pandemic. So I wanted to start the year out with a little manifestation. So I'm getting out the cards. 
And here we go. Don't be afraid to get witchy right here off the top of your WQED <laughs> News 8 career. Okay, so I want you okay. to just roll the cards around in your hand and then just like pick one that speaks to you and read it out loud. I like this one. Feel good about this one. Okay. Oh, I like this one already. She's watering flowers coming out of her head. That is the image <laughs> that I want you to put in your mind. Positive thinking. Uh, in the garden of my mind, I water the good thoughts and weed out the bad ones. I throw in forgiveness and empathy seeds by the handful if I want. And I take a lawnmower to that jealousy and resentment patch. <laughs> I am a pretty badass mind gardener. Okay. I like it. What I really it like this one. Actually, it's kind of funny. And this is not me being witchy. <gasps> she but is going to be witchy. I am going to be witchy. <laughs> I actually was thinking, because I've seen a lot of my friends um, and people that I follow on, on social media talking about their goals. It's a new year. And even if it's not like New Year's resolutions, but just like words that stand out to them for this year and, and that kind of thing. And so I, I was putting some thought into it. Normally, my resolution is always like, I'm going to go to the gym more. or I'm going to eat healthier. Literally every year. Every year. That is my goal. Um, and this year, I was like, you know, I've been doing pretty well with that. Like, I, I actually feel pretty good about it. So maybe it's more of like a mental makeover this year and especially jumping back into work and I was thinking okay what are some like words or things that I can just work on emotionally mentally whatever for this new year and actually thinking more positively and kind of just trying to reframe the way that I think about situations that really stress me out or make me feel overwhelmed or anxious. That was kind of my goal, was to really be more empathetic towards others and understanding. Um, Because I feel like the last time I was in this industry, I just feel like I, I don't feel like I approached it from the most positive way. And so I was like, all right, this time around, like, you know, let's just be outgoing, be yourself and, don't be ashamed of being yourself and just be positive about it and really understand where people are coming from because everybody's circumstance is different and you never know somebody's backstory. So that was really kind of what I was already mulling around. Yeah. So this is like, oh, cool. That's my yeah. affirmator, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it tells you, I think, that you're on the right track with starting a new opportunity with a different mindset. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, I mean, we could all use a little more forgiveness, empathy, and trying to take that lawnmower, if you will, to <laughs> jealousy and resentment. <laughs> Darn those with that jealousy and resentment. So yeah, I think this is just, you know, something we can all certainly learn totally. from. But it was specifically for me, I, I was something that I actually really did want to focus on. So. TV is an interesting business because it's a very personal one. Yes. And I feel like you, first of all, you handle it in the best way possible because you're sitting here today because you're an excellent networker. <laughs> <laughs> or I just had like a giant billboard on my forehead that said, desperate for friends, please have coffee with me. <laughs> um, I really appreciate that because sometimes I feel like I'm the only one reaching out in a lot of situations, which makes me feel really pathetic. You know what I mean? So it's nice to like be reached out to. So I guess tell people the story of how we met. So it's funny because I always feel like, uh, so I grew up on the East Coast and I feel like, I don't know, the mentality on the East Coast was much more insular. And then I always wanted to be in the Midwest and it's 
it's just much more friendly and open and everything. So I knew that moving in the middle of a pandemic would be a challenge, especially being a mom and not having a, like being a stay at home mom. So I don't have the network at work that a lot of people would have. So yeah, when we, I went on the moms group on Facebook and saw that you had posted um, or commented on somebody's post. And I don't even remember what your comment was. And I don't remember if you mentioned that you had the podcast or you were an anchor or what, or if it was just that I was stalking people and clicked (laughs) on your name and was like, she's an anchor. Um, But somehow I put two and two together and figured out that you were an anchor and then sent you a DM, slid into your DMs on Facebook (laughs) and was like, I'm so sorry that I'm so creepy right now, but um, I used to be in TV and I just moved to the area, would love to know about like you know where to eat where to go like some of the cool places here if you'd be willing to get coffee with me or go for a walk whatever I would just love to meet with someone and it really it wasn't so much the hey you're in tv like you could be my friend it was a hey I have something that I can relate to that's similar because it's such a, a unique industry and it's a small world for the most part but it's so unique and it was more like I just want to talk to someone who knows about that life and also just knows the area super well because being in as a broadcast journalist you have to know the area you cover totally and so I was like if there's anybody who's gonna know all the hidden gems it's gonna be Denise so (laughs) let's go get I'm gonna get my Chinese restaurants I'm gonna get my pizza places like my doctors everything and it's gonna be great and then ended up leading us here so this is great well and it's weird because in that particular Facebook mom group that I commented on I'm normally just a lurker so it's weird (laughs) that I even commented it's not really my style because I feel like a I guess I don't feel like my opinion is that important to anyone but I'm just a lurker so it's bizarre that I commented and then it's bizarre that anyone would see the comment so if we want to get witchy yeah universe I think What's so. What's that work, Jillian? I think so, honestly. <laughs> like, I, I've said it before to my husband since we moved here. There's been a lot of those, like, little instances since we moved here where I'm like, this is weird that this yeah. is all, like, working out this way. Like, we didn't know anybody when we moved here. We didn't know anybody when he applied for the job here. We had no, like, ties, nothing. And then there's just been, like, little things that have happened from getting our house to, like, meeting our neighbors like those kinds of things and you're just like wow this is this is just weird there's there's something going on here so um. I like that feeling when that happens because when you don't have to force things yes and sometimes timing is just right and opportunities are just right it affirms that you are in the right place. Yeah. And I've always been a big believer in everything happening for a reason. I don't know if it's just a way to like cope with whatever bad things happen or good things. But I've always been a huge believer in everything that happens is going to lead you to whatever next opportunity or the next step, the next stage. It's been fun for... The ride of being like, oh, wow, this is this is happening. This is going to work out. Okay, cool. We're going to yeah. do this. All right, take advantage of this opportunity and really, like, just roll with it. I messaged you right after, but I was horrified after having met you that day. <laughs> horrified. And you don't have to be nice because it's not necessary here. But something about that coffee shop that day was really hot. 
and we were drinking coffee and I felt nervous. And so when I got out to my car, my mascara had run down my face and I thought, holy crap, you sat across from this poor person for two hours with makeup running down your face. And I, I, I'm not kidding. I stressed about it for the next three days. It just goes to show how like everyone thinks differently because I was sitting there and I was like, I was growing out my mom bangs because I did the thing <laughs> that like, I feel like all new moms do. And they're like, I'm getting bangs. And then you're just like, I immediately regret this decision. So I'm sitting there like swooping my sticky bangs that are just like curling up around okay, my face. Okay, it was face. hot that day, right? Yes. And okay. I think I, and like I was nervous too. So I'm like sitting there in my cute little blazer. And like I told you that day, I was like, this is the first time I've worn real pants in like over a year. <laughs> so cool. And so I'm sitting there, I'm like, why did I wear real? pants I'm so sweaty and sticky and my bangs are curling and I'm like hey I used to be on TV like no and that's how I felt when I got to my car I'm like this woman thinks I'm an anchor for a television station and like I cannot do my freaking makeup I was legitimately horrified I went I work out with a trainer and I went and saw him either later that day or the next day and I was like you won't believe what has happened to me he was like why do you care like what it's just one of those weird things and I think Honestly, the pandemic has made it worse where, at least for me, like, I don't get out of the house much. So, and like, I'm in a new place, so I don't meet that yeah. many new people. But, you know, when you do have that, like, face-to-face human interaction, you're just like, oh, God, like, was I put together? Like, or was I, you know, really just kind of throwing it, throwing it all out there? The real me was out there. <laughs> well, you're trying to still pretend like you didn't notice it because I, I genuinely just, didn't. I just don't see how that's possible. It was so <laughs> horrifying. I was so upset about it. I could have cried. So anyway, so we have both revealed that we are both insecure. That's a nice <laughs> thing to have in common. It was kind of fun to just like randomly have a blind friend date. I've yeah. never had like a blind friend date before. <laughs> I was telling, um, so my mother-in-law was in town and she was staying, she stayed with my daughter while I went and I was like, I have a mom date today. <laughs> and, and my mother-in-law was like, a what now? And I was like, a mom date. And she was like, okay. And she's like, I, okay. <laughs> but yeah, it's funny because I feel like I had never had one either um, until I became a mom. And then okay. it was like, I made it my goal when I was pregnant, like nearing the end of my pregnancy. And I was like, I don't have any, like none of my friends at the time that lived near me actually had kids yet. And I was like, I gotta, if I'm going to be a stay-at-home mom, and I, at the time I wasn't even sure I was going to stay home, I was like, I just need some friends here that have kids that I can relate to. Um, someone that I can be like, my kid was up all night last night, like I'm not going to make it for brunch today. Or like show up at brunch in my Crocs and sweatpants and be like, hey, my kid was up all night, like right. what did you do when your kid went through this regression? So anyway, I, um, I joined the Peanut app, which you may have been targeted with on Instagram <laughs> at some point or seen like some influencer posting about it. And I went on some like blind mom dates in Chicago. And actually, now that I think about it, I did do Bumble BFF when I first oh. moved to Chicago. Yeah, I forgot about that. See, I didn't I'm meet any real if friends. Either of those apps are like active here. I have no idea, but I Bumble BFF. I only went on one blind friend date, and we didn't end up like we had a lot in common. It just like 
didn't work out and it was fine like I ended up making friends like a normal person (laughs) (laughs) at like work and you know through my husband's friends and whatnot but then yeah the peanut app really did work I met we ended up I ended up meeting up with one of the girls that I had connected with on peanut and we went to like a play group thing and she brought a couple of other people that she'd met through this peanut app we all hit it off really well and ended up forming essentially our quarantine crew. And our kids were all within like six to eight months of each other. Okay. And so pre-pandemic, we all ended up joining like or doing class pass or joining the same gym so we could go to like yoga classes together and our kids could sit in the little daycare together. Perfect. So our kids got to know each other. And then once the pandemic started, it was a quarantine crew. So there were like four of us and we could do play groups and it was wonderful. And I still keep in touch with them. They are wonderful, wonderful humans. It was great. And we did virtual play groups when I, I left Chicago for a few months when um, the lockdown started and went to live with my in-laws and we did virtual play groups that way. And it was, yeah. So yeah, blind mom dates or friend dates. <laughs> don't be afraid. Be bold. <laughs> So when I have been telling people about you, I've said basically that you were like a Chicago refugee (laughs) during the pandemic. Is that how you would describe it? Absolutely. It's actually crazy. I I can't wait until my daughter is old enough for me to be able to describe like when my kid, like they can ask about like the pandemic, like what, where were you when the pandemic happened, when the lockdown started? I remember it very well. We actually, my birthday is the beginning of March and my brother and I are one day apart. So we actually went to Miami at the very beginning of March for my brother's 40th birthday. And at the time the virus was happening and we were like, okay, like, should we be going? Like we have like a six month old, like this doesn't feel smart. And it was like, we already had the tickets. We're like, we're only gonna be there for two days. Let's just do it. We'll get back. We'll wear our masks on the plane. It'll be fine. While we were there, my other brothers were there as well. I have three brothers, and they have older kids, school age, and they were getting alerts from the schools. The schools were all shutting down while we were in Miami. And that was when my husband and I, like, looked at each other and were like, oh, this is going to be bad. This is going to be really bad. So we got back to Chicago, and my friends, their work started closing. And I was, I asked my husband, I'm like, when is the law firm going to shut down? Like, and my, at the time, my daughter got really sick with a stomach virus. Like, horrible, like, Oof. terrible diaper rash. Like, it was just, and it went on for three weeks. She couldn't sleep. We had to, like, wash her off every time we did diaper change instead of wipes. Like, oh, anybody who's been through girl, really yes. bad diaper rash, like, it was just awful. So she wasn't sleeping. I wasn't sleeping. My husband was still going into work. And meanwhile, the virus is just getting scarier and scarier. And I was like, I don't want you getting on public transportation and coming back home to us. When is the office shutting down? So he finally got word mid-March, so like a week or two after we got back from Miami. And I said, we are going to your parents. His parents live in the middle of Kansas. They live in Salina, Kansas. They don't have to, like, leave their house, basically. So it was great. They have a lot more space they have a big yard because they shut down the lakefront in Chicago and that was like the only way I could get out so otherwise we were in a third floor walk up and (laughs) living in downtown Chicago and I was like this is not gonna happen I'm not sleeping you're working around the clock for the law firm and the baby is screaming all the time so you can't work from home because she's sick so we need to get out of here so in less than 24 hours we packed everything we need for our dog the two of us and our six-month-old into our little Subaru Impreza 
and we had no idea how long we would be gone and we just packed it all up. We left the day that they shut down everything in Chicago. Wow. So we were trying to get out before they like, we thought, we didn't know if there were gonna be barricades on the road. Like we had totally, no idea. Totally. And um, I remember getting out and it was like, whatever midnight was like the cutoff or whatever when we got out and we got to my in-laws and we ended up staying with them for 10 weeks wow yeah so it was a lot so I had like three shirts like four pairs of underwear and like two pairs of leggings and that was what we lived we had to buy clothes for my daughter because she was outgrowing everything she went through like a size of diapers in the time we were there it was crazy so yeah definitely felt a bit like refugees seriously 10 weeks with your in-laws uh-huh yeah <laughs> um yeah we joke about it but i i'm very very fortunate and i'm totally. not saying this because i'm on a podcast and they may listen to this. i genuinely mean that i consider myself one of the luckiest people in the world i have a wonderful relationship with my in-laws they are amazing supportive people my mother-in-law comes up and just to help me out knowing that like being a mom is hard being a mom in a pandemic is extra hard and they've just been very very supportive and so I am eternally grateful that they let us invade their house, invade their space. I love to cook, so I invaded their kitchen. Yeah. And yeah, it, they, it was wonderful. It was honestly amazing that we were able to be there. What made you leave then after 10 weeks? What was going on during that time period? I think we just wanted to get back to our own space, yeah. our own routine. They needed their space. We ended up coming back to Chicago. We basically quarantined. We, we spent our entire summer in two-week intervals so that we could quarantine. Um, so we came back to Chicago for two weeks, kind of reset. Um, things were still pretty much shut down. I remember going to try and go for a run in Chicago and running with the stroller, the jogging stroller, and running in the road because I just – you can't take up the sidewalks, and it was just really hard, and, like, they had certain streets shut down. It was it was crazy. I, I remember thinking, like, okay, this isn't going to work for the whole summer. Like, we, we can't do this. We need to figure something out. I can't just be – and my husband was still working from home, and we lived in a condo, like a third floor walk up the condo in Chicago. Yeah. So um, there wasn't much space for him to be able to really concentrate on work. So we stayed for two weeks – and then we went back to Kansas for two weeks. And then from Kansas, we actually, my brother was in, is in Denver. So we went on to Colorado and spent two weeks in Colorado and quarantined there. And then came back to Kansas for two weeks. And then we came back to Chicago for two weeks. And then we drove to my parents on Cape Cod, which is a 20-hour car ride with a eight-month-old would not recommend um stayed there for two weeks and then we came back to Chicago and at that point we knew that we were moving here so then it was we have to find a house and we knew that we were going to be here in September and the market here was nuts at that time I think it probably still is yeah then it was we really had to just focus on getting getting moved here finding a house and everything what a fun like moment of marriage too (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. It's sort of like if you guys can, A, stomach that many car rides together, <laughs> and B, that much, like, time away from what's comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good That's a good moment. It was, um, <laughs> you know, I, we, my husband calls it windshield time, and we have been doing long road trips 
as long as we've been together, which okay. is 11 years now. So he was in college. He was a freshman in college when we started dating. And within the first, like, three months of us dating, we drove from South Bend, Indiana, to Washington, D.C. to stay with my brother. And then we drove up to New Jersey, where my parents were living at the time, and then drove from New Jersey back to South Bend. And I remember my my parents and, like, our friends being like, are you insane? Like, you've only been together for, like, three months. Like, are you prepared for all that car time? Um, and then we drove from South Bend to Kansas that summer. Uh, so we've been doing long car rides for a long time. And we... We really love them. Like, yeah. we drive to Alabama every summer before the pandemic. We would drive to Alabama where his family vacations. And, yeah, it's just, like, I don't know. I don't. I couldn't even tell you. Like, we listen to podcasts sometimes. We listen to a lot of music. We chat. Like, it's just been nice. I don't know. I like that. Yeah. That's it's kind of a cool just, like, way to connect with each other where it's kind of, I don't know, there's the not the pressure of sitting across each other at a table at a restaurant. Right. Like, this is when we're connecting now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just kind of like, all right, like, we're here in the car and we talk about all kinds of different things and probably a lot of things we've already talked about at that up to that point. But, yeah, it's, it is. It's really nice to just kind of have that time together and and I'm sure when we're like at 20 years of marriage 30 years of marriage we're gonna be like oh my gosh I can't do this anymore or when our when our daughter starts you know having to like starting to engage in like the conversations we have to kind of filter ourselves a little bit more maybe it'll be less fun but yeah we really enjoy our time like our long car trips together so you guys were together since you started in TV, you, mm-hmm. did you guys ever have to do the long distance thing? We did. Okay. Um, so we did initially, my very first job right out of college was um, in Evansville, Indiana. And he was still, in, uh, my husband, boyfriend at the time, was in undergrad um, in South Bend. So we, that was like a four or five hour trip. And that was actually the last time I did the morning show. So I used to get off on Fridays at like 8 a.m. I was a producer slash reporter and I would get off at like 8 a.m. on Fridays, drive up to South Bend to spend the weekend with him and then drive back on Sunday like mornings, try to get like two or three hours of sleep before going back into work on Monday. Oh wow. Yeah. That was only like a month and a half. And then there was like whole business side of the of the stations happened I got another opportunity um in South Bend actually it kind of came out of the blue again that fortuitous connection it just like popped up and I got a job in South Bend so then we were together for two years while he finished undergrad then we were long distance again while he was in law school we were five hours apart and that was for three years the whole time he was in law school um so we we just and I was my weekends were Monday Tuesday so I would drive to see him and stay with him on usually on Monday mornings and then drive back on Wednesday mornings before I had to go into work I'd go straight into work from from visiting him and he'd come in on the weekends and yeah it's kind of a blur now but yeah it worked Yeah, I mean, I have that in common with you also because we started dating at the end of college, the perfect time to really, like, get into a serious relationship. (laughs) And, yeah, we were long distance for the better part of four, almost five years before uh, we got engaged and got married. But, yeah, I think our our longest distance was for the almost two-year period that Turner was in Iraq, not with the military, but as, like, a Department of Defense contractor. And so he was there for 
two years while I was working in Wichita. Oh my gosh. And so that was an interesting period of time. Yeah. But what we all, and I don't even think couples do this now, instead of car rides, we were on the phone yeah. constantly. Yep. Constantly on the phone. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of my friends would say like, but you don't even know how messy this person is. You don't even know like if he throws his socks on the floor. I'm like, yeah, but we have talked, I guarantee, <laughs> more than you have talked to your little boyfriend yeah. over there. You know what I mean? We talked constantly, yep. constantly, constantly, because that's all there was. I mean, we had cell phones, but texting wasn't even a form mm-hmm. of communication. It was, gosh, I don't, I don't even, I don't know what people use texting for back in the day. But, but yeah, so I feel like long yeah. distance relationships are a very um, TV jobs sort yeah. of reality. Yeah. And honestly, like I, I really wouldn't change it because I always, so we said that we didn't want to get engaged until we got through the first year of law school, seeing how that long distance works. So I was like, if we can make it through that, then we can make it through anything. And that's, I mean, that's ended up what being what happened. But yeah, it was just like, we talked a lot. I'd call him when I got off of my shows um, and was driving home from the station, usually around like 11.30 at night, midnight, and he was always in bed getting ready to get up for his morning classes, and God bless his soul, he would always talk to me and be like, uh-huh, uh-huh, <laughs> don't care about the Tennessee Vols, don't care about it, like, don't care. <laughs> yeah, we talked a lot, and we didn't live together until he graduated from law school. He lived with me um, while I finished out my contract in Knoxville for a few months, mm-hmm. and then we got our first place in Chicago, and we got married that same month. So yeah, it was like, I had a lot of people being like, but you've never lived with him. Like, mm-hmm. how do you know? Like, and I don't even remember, honestly, those like hurdles of, you know, my gosh, he doesn't change the toilet paper roll or, you know, he never does the laundry. I mean, we have those things now. Right. But I don't remember them even in the first year of living together. It was just like a, I think because we had that open line of communication anyway, I was always just like, yo. <laughs> you're gonna start doing this because and he was the same way with me like seriously you didn't change the toilet paper roll again or really the face soap is out of the shower again like things like that yeah so. my thing is leaving the lids off of things like if the lid oh, is yeah. not quite on the bottle of ibuprofen that can be problematic for the next person <laughs> who grabs that bottle it's not on purpose i just you know sometimes it just teeters on the top I think his biggest pet peeve for me would be uh, leaving cabinet doors open um, because he's a lot taller than I am. So I just kind of like skirt under things. (laughs) And so so he'll come into the kitchen and there will literally be like seven cabinet doors. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm going to need to get in that in like 10 minutes when I go to put this away. He's like, but you don't need it now. How hard is it to open the door? (laughs) So, yeah, that would definitely be... um, my biggest uh, flaw, I would say. Okay. Well, I feel like if that's your worst, if that's Jillian ever right? worst. That's it. That's the only one. <laughs> okay. So you mentioned Tennessee Vols because your true broadcasting heart is in sports. Yes. Yes. Um, I always wanted to be in sports um, and I was in sports for pretty much seven years. My, my job in South Bend was like a split between news and sports. So I covered um, Notre Dame sports. I covered them during football and basketball season, unless there was some kind of big news story going on, in which case they would usually transition me over to the news side instead of sports, because they didn't have an official sports department, if you can believe it, in South that Bend. That is weird. Indian, right? It was weird. Um, 
but it was wonderful because it was a it was a great experience and I really enjoyed my time there and then yeah in Knoxville I was covering the Tennessee Vols and did that for three years and then I got what I thought was my dream job or it was I'm not gonna say what I thought it was absolutely hands down my dream job working at Big Ten Network in Chicago and was there for a year Um, and then I went to NBC5 in Chicago and was a sports producer for them and covered sports so yeah this is first time getting back into news in in a while so Big Ten Network you thought it was your dream job tell me just a little bit more about that because yeah you're right like when you start in broadcasting you're like what would be like the top of the tops yeah. for me. Yeah, and that was that was it for me. I went I went to Northwestern, so um, and my I have two I have three brothers, two of which went to Penn State. So I grew up on the Big Ten, like that was bread and butter. And I don't know, I just I I always wanted to be at Big Ten Network. Even I wanted to be back in Chicago, and I knew that they were based in Chicago, so that was part of it. And then I loved college sports. I've I've always loved college sports more than pro. There's just something about the passion behind the players. Like they're really playing for something, and they just haven't been like over groomed. I guess would be the best way to describe it. Like a lot of the pro athletes and coaches have, where it's just they're kind of saying what needs to be said. Sure. So yeah, it was my dream, my dream job, my dream opportunity, and I got there, and it was a wonderful experience, and I have nothing but the best memories of being with with some of the people and the staff there. Um, but it just. I guess it just, it wasn't, I, I think I had built it up in my mind so much that I got there and I don't know, it, it, it didn't, I hate this phrase, my mom says it all the time, but it just didn't fill up my soul like I thought it would. Okay. Like it wasn't it, the same passion that I had when I was working in a local community because I think I was just being torn in so many different directions. Like sometimes I was on the set, which was awesome, and interviewing players, but I just didn't have that connection with like one team, right? Yeah. Whereas at Tennessee... I mean, I didn't really know anything about the Vols or even really the SEC before I got there, but I got to know certain players really well. And then you saw them go through like three or four years in a program and you're like, oh, he's a great interview. And like you kind of build up a relationship with them and you know that they're going to, you know, be genuine with you. And you get the same relationship with coaches and like assistant coaches. Um, And I loved that. And I really loved it at the high school level, which is kind of funny because you're like, really? High school football and yeah. like high school basketball? And I realized when I was at Big Ten Network that I missed that. Like I was just kind of like another – like they had to do interviews with us because we were part of the Big Ten, right? And I just – I didn't have that same connection, and I really missed that about being in a local market. And I don't think if you would ask me in the time, I wouldn't have – I would have been like, no, this is awesome. This is amazing. It wasn't until I was gone that – my husband actually was, and my friends were saying, you know, you were really unhappy. Like, you didn't love it. You were really happy when you were in Knoxville and you were in South Bend. And sure, like, you know, you were more tired and like there were more issues that you get with, you know, being in a smaller station and a smaller market. But um, you were just a lot happier and you loved your job a lot more. So it was kind of really, that was the eye-opening moment for me was when you have the people who love you and are around you the most telling you like, yeah, you're a different person now. Like, you you seem to be happier now that you're not there in what you thought was your dream job. That's so interesting when other people see something so clearly. Yeah. And you're just, like, in the trenches of it, and you don't know necessarily. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it was, um, I don't know, it made me really stop and kind of reevaluate, like, okay, what was it that I really 
liked and didn't like. And, you know, it made me think about, okay, well, maybe I just need to like take a break. Maybe this industry isn't for me. Maybe it's run its course. And like, I have new goals. And we, at the time we were starting to talk about having a family and how would that work with, you know, traveling to games every weekend and working nights and, and all of that. And that definitely was overwhelming and challenging for me to think about. Um, and I know there are, I know plenty of women and I've seen plenty of women who do an amazing job of juggling both being a mom and being on the road for sports. But at the time it was just like, ah, no, I don't, I'm, yeah. I'm not excited about that. And you have to really love what you're doing if you're going to dedicate that amount of time away from your family, I yeah. think. And I don't think I, I really loved it enough to be able to say, yeah, I'm going to sacrifice all of this time with my husband, my child that hasn't even been born, conceived, really thought of yet. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was a different time, but um, I feel really good about like kind of where my path took me. Well, I mean, number one, the most important thing, or maybe not important, but like the greatest luxury sometimes in life is options. Yes. You know, where you get to make that decision for yourself based on whatever is going around, you mm -hmm. know, on around you and where you're at. And so I think... It's like regardless, the fact that you had the option yes. and you were able to talk about it with your husband and, and really evaluate what made the most sense. I mean, sometimes you're just like stuck because you don't have those options. Like what a luxury, you know? Exactly. I, I feel so fortunate that I actually got to that point. Like how many people can say that, that they got yeah. their dream job? Like they reached it. They did it. Um, I do. I will never forget that moment of standing on the set of Big Ten Network my very first day. I had my scripts in my hand. I, there's a picture of it somewhere. And gosh, oh, it was like, oh my gosh, this is happening. Like, right? I did it. And I will never take for granted the fact that I, I did it and I got there. A lot of it was luck. <laughs> so I, there's so many people that have sacrificed a lot more to get to their dream positions than I, than I had to. And I am the first to admit that and acknowledge that. But, oh, we'll um, give yourself some credit. Yeah, but like, eh. <laughs> I'm fortunate that I have a husband that was willing to like kind of follow my career around for a while and put up with the long distance and the crazy hours and all of that so that I could kind of play everything out. I don't know if this is an annoying question, but like being a woman in the sports arena, mm -hmm. you know, like were there any challenges that went along with that? I mean, did you feel like overall accepted? Are we, are we beyond that at this point now? From the time I started to the time I ended, yes, there was definitely some growth in the industry, and that's it was awesome to see. Personally, I didn't I didn't feel like I was necessarily an outsider. I don't think. I think my own insecurities for sure played into that. There, I can't even tell you how many times. I would come home and my husband would just be like, you gotta stop. Like, you know this stuff, like you know your stuff and okay. you can banter with the best of them. I can remember one time, the first really jarring incident for me was, um, I was in Tennessee and I was covering um, a high school football practice. And I remember just going, I was just going out to shoot some video and I don't even think it was like a big story. I think it was like a preview. Cause I always, um, we did a high football show on Friday nights for all the Friday night games. And I was just shooting some practice video and I was loading stuff into the car and I was an MMJ. So I was carrying my camera and my tripod and like all my mics and you know, you're pretty loaded down with stuff. And it was summer. It was August cause they were practicing or July, end of July. And I remember loading my stuff into the car and one of the assistant coaches came up to me and very snarky was like, so do you actually like 
know anything about football or are you oh, just out ew. here to get a tan? And I was like, excuse me? Ew. Yeah. That was my first really like, what? <laughs> In the moment, I just, you know, I was like, ha 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 ha. Like, no, like I really love sports, really love football. And I just kind of like laughed it off and put my stuff in the car and, you know, he walked off and I didn't think anything of it. It was just like a, you know, just kind of jarring of like, and it made me doubt myself, I think totally. a lot, where I was like, wait, do I really know anything about football? Like, you know, yeah, like I probably couldn't describe to you the intricacies of like a nickel package, but like, you know, I know football, like I do, and I know sports, What's but... a nickel package? <laughs> <laughs> so it was a... Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's so disappointing to hear because what a stupid thing to say to anyone. Like, regardless yeah. of gender, regardless of whatever, like, I'm sitting here, I'm wearing the clothes, I'm carrying the gear. Yeah. Mind your biz. Yeah, it was um, it was rough, but, like, I, again, it was, it was so small compared to some of the things that other women have gone through in order to pave the way for women in sports. Yeah. So, um. You know, fortunately, after that, I, I, there were, of course, there were always small comments, and there's, there's moments like I remember being in a, um, like the pit, basically covering the national championship game for um, Notre Dame and Alabama in 2013, and like looking around me, and I'm there with a camera on my shoulder, and the cameras are, I, we didn't have the nice little ones, we had a giant camera that was like the size of me, and people always laughed when they saw me with the camera, and I'm holding out the mic to interview, I think it was Eddie Lacy. And I'm like reaching up to try and interview him while holding this camera. And I'm looking around me and there isn't another girl. in. And there were plenty of women covering the national championship, sure. of course. But in that particular moment, I'm like, wow, like I am the only one here. Like the only girl in this entire crowd. But now, now there's a lot more. And there were, again... Like, Samantha Ponder was there covering it. Like, she was... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there were plenty of women who were covering the game, and um, you always saw them. And one of the things that I look back and I'm like, oh, that was that was not great, is I tended to look at other women who were in sports, not necessarily as, like, comrades and people to be like, hey, can you help me with this? It was like, you are my competition. And I feel like that's a really toxic... It is a really toxic mentality to go into. But it was just... I don't know. Now I, I'm able to look at it as that and be like, yeah, no, like other women in this industry, we all we're all in the same boat. And, you know, you got to be there for each other and support each other. And I wish I had been able to like see another girl out there with a camera and a mic trying to do it all herself and be like, hey, do you need me to hold your mic for you? Yeah. Like, do you want me to help you out somehow? Um, rather than feeling that constant competitive drive. Do you think you felt that way? Because there's 20 spots here and really only two of them are for token women you know where it felt like like it's not really open to all absolutely yeah and I felt like you know I was constantly trying to prove myself it all stemmed from my own insecurities of like you know am I gonna be like is that station or network or whatever gonna be looking for a blonde or a brunette are they gonna be looking for someone who has experience with college football or maybe college basketball or it was just like yeah you're constantly sizing yourself up and sizing other people up and it's like no, just go into it. And I mean, it's easy to look back and say that, right? Yeah. But when you're 24 years old and trying to make your way in the industry, it was, 
I, I need every advantage I can possibly get. Now, that's not to say you're going to go out and, like, sabotage people. But it was just, of course. you know. And then the funny part is, is that I worked with other women. Like, I traveled when I was in South Bend. I worked with another uh, woman who, um, she's about the same age as I was. And we traveled. We did all of the sports, the two of us. And it was awesome because we formed this really great bond. And there, we were helping each other out all the time. I mean, we covered the national championship. We drove from South Bend to Miami. We covered the women at the time, Notre Dame women's, well, they still are very good, Notre Dame women's basketball. We went to um, two Final Fours for them. We drove all over the country following Notre Dame football. And we were a great team. Like the two of us, you know, we had a lot of fun together. So, you know, it wasn't all about competition. She's now working in Boston and, you know, has just skyrocketed. She's doing really well. So, you know, you just, you kind of, Find your way along the industry. Yeah. And a part of it is growing up, too, I think. Yeah. I feel like my own evolution in TV is to realize that there's enough sun to shine on yes. everyone. And that, like, my light doesn't dim because yours gets brighter. Exactly. You know what I mean? And and honestly, that is a maturity moment because I don't think 10 years ago that I felt that way. It's, you know? it's really hard, I think. And, and I think part of it, too, is just realizing being at peace where you are in your own life yeah. and outside of TV too and that at least for me that's what it was is I got I got out of it for a little while and was like oh this is great like I don't need to prove to anyone that I am a certain way in TV land like I this is who I am but yeah it's just going back to the kind of the affirmations idea of it is that it doesn't matter if I never make it to whatever goals I have for myself, but if I was able to help another woman get to her goals, like, how cool is that? Yeah. Like, that is awesome. If you're able to sit there and say, yeah, I remember so-and-so when I worked with her at blah, 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 and, you know, she was amazing, and I was able to help her do this or this, or you had any tiny little piece of even just being their friend or being able, being relatable for them, someone that they could come to you and just be like, my gosh, this was a really hard day because of X, Y, or Z. Like, I don't know. I just think that there's something really cool and positive about being able to say, hey, yeah, you can also help someone else achieve their success. And that feels pretty darn good, too. Thank you very much for (laughs) recommending me and uh, taking that moment. (laughs) Well, selfishly, the reason that I wanted you to come here is because I knew if another station heard of you, (laughs) they would take you. And I don't know about that, but like, I we needed to grab you and hold you and keep you. And nurture you for our own. <laughs> so really, that's where my motivation for we're keeping you. So from it going was to competition, yes. <laughs> but in the in a nice way. <laughs> no, I I agree that there has been an evolution. I mean, even in my time here, and I've been here um, over nine years now. There was somebody that I worked with um, many many years ago who once told me, "You will never fit in," oh. and I thought like. First of all, like, how could you say that to somebody? And the yeah. fact that I still remember where I was standing and where she was sitting when she said it. And I'm like, God, I hope I never, like, am that moment in somebody's head. I might have been. And if I yeah. am, like, I'm sorry about that. But, like, yeah, I'll never forget that she looked up at me and said, you will not fit in. Ugh. And I still hear that sometimes. And so, like, it's just like, God. It's, it's like having the actual voice to go along with the thoughts in your head. Totally. And you're just like. Why? Why did you need to, like, make that a reality? Like, I have enough of a hard time, like, talking through those voices in my head, that self-doubt anyway. I don't need you really confirming it. Right. That's really hard. I'm sorry that that happened to you. I think we – I feel like 
we've all kind of had a moment like that. Yeah. And, you know, for better or worse, they, I feel like they, most of the time they help us grow. Yeah. Um, if for no other reason than, yeah, you remember, like, I never want to make someone feel that way. Right. Like, right. they don't belong or that they're never going to be able to achieve whatever they want to achieve. Right. Um, because that's just not, like, what good does that do? Like, that doesn't help anybody. Right. Um, especially in a newsroom setting where you're all on the same team. Like, you're all just trying to help each other out to do the best job you possibly can, which is to inform your viewers and be a voice for those people in the community that maybe don't have one or get that kind of toxic thinking. I'm, I'm hoping it's just, it's slowly, you know, fading out of TV world. What do you want um, the Good Morning Quad Cities viewers to know about you? My first thought would be just bear with me. It's been a it's been a hot minute since I've been on the desk. So, if you're really feeling like, "Mm, you are not my jam." Like, I get it. Like, you know, there you sometimes you're just like, "Mm, that is not the voice I want to hear first thing in the morning." And I get it. It's okay. Angie will be back and I will be gone from your morning TV and it will be okay. I promise. So just, you know, grin and bear it or, you know, mute me whenever you can and you know it'll be fine but um if I mispronounce something that's something that happens that I think a lot of viewers don't realize I I can't come into this job all knowing I'm new to the market and I'm trying to learn as much as I possibly can yeah. about this community one of the things that I always I always think is the most challenging is really learning like pronunciations of like specific towns, Mm -hmm. rivers, roads, uh, counties, Kosciuszko County in Indiana (laughs) will forever be the one that like stands out to me. Um, We have a Maquoketa, Iowa. Okay. So that's one that I'm definitely (laughs) going to mess up several times. Yeah, Maquoketa. So um, yeah, I would ask that they be a little patient with me. I will learn it. We also have a Milan, not a Milan. Yes, I, I learned that one actually when we were looking at houses. So, and we have a Rio, not Rio. Rio, yeah, okay. like R I O, and it's Rio. Okay, <laughs> I think I could count on one hand, maybe two, because I might have blocked some out. The really nasty emails or comments that I've gotten. And in nine years, it's not because I'm that good. It's just because the people here are kind. That's you know what good I mean? There are. There are some negative Nancys. I would say the viewers here are really, really kind, really, really welcoming. And I think that's also why I wanted you to have the opportunity to be on the podcast, because it's like people are only going to see this teeny tiny bit of you in that three month period of time. So hopefully this is a way that they can really hear who you are and what makes you tick a little bit more. Yeah, I love that. And I'm really grateful that, you know, you let me come on and kind of show my personality a little bit um, because there's a lot more than just like sitting behind the desk and and reading news. It's a lot more than that. I had a sports director once who always used to say that it's really the viewers who allow us into their homes every day. And that really just always stuck with me because it's true. Like they're letting your face, your voice, like your personality into their home every day and trusting you to deliver them the information that they need to make daily decisions or understand what's happening on a national level um, and how it would impact them on a local level. And that just really always stuck with me. And at the end of the day, like when people question like, oh, is she trying to push my her agenda on me and blah, blah, blah. And I wish they could see what we're doing right now, which is I'm just a person mm-hmm. who goes home to a family at night 
and I drink coffee <laughs> and like you know like I don't have any ulterior motives no. other than like I want to be here that's really all that it comes down to and it's like if they if somebody was sitting in that third chair over there like I would I it's like I would want them to see like just yeah we're, we're just, just people. people yep that's it and you know we have mortgages and bills and you know a family and families with different views all over the map and they live in different places like cities rural areas and so yeah it's not about pushing an agenda by any means and I think that that's something that yeah it's it's hard right now in this day when people do look down and they're just like oh like you know they're only like following this one thing it's like yeah but there's there's so much more that goes into it that's not the reality Um, right so yeah I would you know we're just people well, I kept you for an hour, but I want you to stay to talk about this week's episode of The Bachelor. Oh, yes. You ready? Oh, yeah. Matt James is The Bachelor. What grade do we give him after the first episode? What are we grading on? Like, um, Just how we think he's going to handle the challenge before him. Ooh, how he's going to handle the challenge? I mean, I don't think he's going to be as dramatic as some of the last few. I'm trying to think. Who was the one that jumped the fence? That was... Oh, um, was Colton. Colton. Oh, my gosh. Colton was just, like, on another level. <laughs> um, but... So I don't think he's going to be, like, that much of a drama queen. Uh, but I'm really excited that he hasn't been, like, part of the Bachelor franchise and he wasn't on The Bachelorette. Like, he doesn't know how things go. I think that's really cool twist to this season um and like some they're like playing that up for sure like his whole pulling Chris aside in the beginning like I need to talk to you I don't know what to do I don't know what to do and then going into this long soliloquy about like the importance and I it was a little much for me but I do like appreciate some of the more candid like awkward moments where you can just see him and like the editors couldn't like cut something out and he's just like looking in multiple directions and like has no idea what's going on. I really was hoping that he would forget someone's name during the first rose ceremony because there is just like no way they can remember all their names. There's no way. Like that just has to happen at some point. It's unrealistic to think that he can remember all of their names to remember to give them a rose. Well, do you remember any names from last night? I think there are a few. Let's I remember stupid me. Queen Victoria only because oh, she wouldn't shut up about that. She was the worst. I mean, clearly <laughs> front runner for the villain. And I was just clearly. Like, and that's the only reason she's there. Exactly. And you're just like, of course, she gets the final rose. And you're just like, Ugh, I, I just can't with you. Um, <laughs> but I did appreciate that there were fewer annoying girls, for a yeah. lack of a better word. Britney's. Yeah. Like, it just it just <laughs> felt like there were a lot more winners this year and are this season. So I think that makes this season a lot more watchable because it's, it's hard when you have no one to root for or you have, like, one person to root for. I just feel like that becomes a little bit more of a drag. So, sure. Um, but I guess I remember... But there was Abigail was the um, one he got the first impression rose. Yes, we like her. I like her a lot. I liked her from the very beginning because I felt like she didn't hide the fact that she was deaf and she had the cochlear implant. When she said that in like her intro video, I was like, ugh, this is going to be one of those things that they drag out. And like episode six, they're going to be like, is she going to tell him? And yes. Yes. And make it like it's some sort of um, like huge problem that needs to be dealt with as a couple. Exactly. <laughs> and you're just like, no, this would be something that you would address like on your first date. And so 
I appreciated that she came right out, like right yeah. out of the limo, told him about that. Well, and she, obviously, she's been explaining herself for her whole life, which is what she said, but... I like that she just said, hey, I'm going to be reading your lips tonight, which was kind of flirtatious, kind of telling him the truth without making it this like, like the one girl, I don't remember her name, obviously, who told her whole like single mom family story right out of the gate. And it was like, oh, sweet pea. Like, that's a lot right now. Yeah. a lot right now. (laughs) And in fairness, I don't even remember that girl because I'll be honest, when I watch The Bachelor, it's kind of one of those like dual things where I'm watching, I'm not really watching. Um. I'm on Twitter. Like, it's just a whole thing. So I don't even remember that girl. And that's terrible that, like, she has a whole backstory. And I'm like, what? Well, and that's all I remember from it is that I heard her say something about, like, well, I grew up with a single mom. And I'm like, oh, boy. Like, sis, it's a lot for this time of night. I mean, you know, and Matt's like, it's like he's doing his best to listen. But you know he's exhausted by this point in the evening, overwhelmed. And then you're going to sit down and give him the whole backstory. I feel like that's a life lesson. Like nobody wants your backstory upon the first meeting. Yeah. And I get that it's like condensed, right? Like you have to go through like your family history in a much shorter period of time with them. But I agree with you. Like the first night is the longest. I always liken it to like <laughs> sorority recruitment nights where it's just you're exhausted. The sun is rising by the time you get out of the last house and you're just like I just need to go to bed like I don't even know who I talk to anymore and you're confusing names um so yeah that would be a lot but I think that one of the other girls that stood out to me was the one I don't even remember her name the one with the goat feet and the only reason is because it was kind of goofy and funny and it reminded me of Jojo when Jojo came on what was it Ben's season and she came out with a unicorn head on. And from that moment, I was like, she's my favorite. She's the winner. And she ended up being in the final two. I just feel like when you go out on a limb and you do something ridiculous, that's kind of like, ooh, really, honey? It, it makes you stand out. And it's like, all right, she's got confidence to do something super bizarre and weird. See, and I thought the goat feet was a bad move just because I feel like You want to have a sense of humor, but you don't want to introduce the idea that maybe you're deformed. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, like telling him that maybe your feet are weird or maybe that you have, like, hair in random places is not, like, the best Mm. first impression for me personally. Because I thought he handled the vibrator situation really well. I I thought he recognized her sense of humor. Like, they vibed in that moment, even though I didn't like the vibrator thing. Yeah, they definitely vibe. <laughs> I like I I don't like the overt like I'm sexual, like don't you want you know like I don't like that. But I felt like towards the end of the night when she talked about like booping a pageant queen, <laughs> then I was like, Okay, I now understand your sense of humor yeah. and I'm fine with it. But the cloven hoof, I I feel like it's just putting a little bit in his head that maybe you have something weird. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, I guess I didn't think of it that way. I don't know. I'm I'm still with her for this one. But the vibrator one, I was like, I I got her sense of humor later. And I think that, like, the producers and the editors really tried to, like, drag out that joke. I mean, she's, like, taking it to with her, like, when she goes to the bathroom and, like, carrying it around everywhere. Like, it was just, like, a whole. Yes. A whole thing. I felt that way about the the girl who showed up in her lingerie and was like, pick so my cute. dress. And I I'm just like, like girlfriend, like, 
I, I get where you're coming from, and like props to you for being comfortable. Like, yes, confidence all the way. I mean, ab goals, we can all oh, agree. Seriously, I was <laughs> like, I mean, I guess if I looked like that in lingerie, maybe. Right? But <laughs> it was just like a lot for me, and it's like you're just throwing it all out there right now. But I mean, it's memorable. I think my one of my favorites though, and I again, I can't remember her name. The one who showed up with the pickup truck, who's from North Carolina, and she oh, did the sure. sweet tea toast in the back of the truck, and I was like, normal. I, I don't sure. know. I just felt sweet and just like kind of an, an above and beyond first date. But like her whole idea was remind him of home. And I thought that was cool too. A way, great way to make a first impression. So yeah. I just yeah. don't remember her name. Normally, I don't like first episodes. Usually it's my least favorite one. And I wonder if A... I didn't watch Tasha, so I maybe am ready for a brand new season. So my mind was more open. But I also wonder if because Matt, I needed to get to know him, if I was more interested in seeing how he would react. Whereas before, we've, we sort of have been introduced to this person. We know a little bit about them. And so therefore, that first episode loses a little intrigue for me. But I think I was more curious this time and it made the first episode more enjoyable yeah I'm I'm right there with you I normally hate the first episodes I always watch them because I feel like it's a really good setup to learn who some of the girls are like you really do learn who's the villain like who's kind of your front runner from the start but yeah I generally don't like them because I just always feel like there's too much crazy too much chaos you don't know names yet And yeah, you already kind of know who The Bachelor is or The Bachelorette because you've seen them in the past. I didn't watch Claire's season at all, but I didn't watch it because I had already seen her in Bachelor Winter Games. I saw her on Juan Pablo's season and I was like, I'm not here for this. Like, I just can't. (laughs) I I don't really care. So yeah, I'm I'm really excited about his season. and, And I did follow like... Tyler C. Tyler Cameron on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So I saw like the whole effort put into trying to get Matt on The Bachelor. And I was I was there for it. I was I was right there. I was on the Matt bandwagon for sure. (laughs) See, and I was sort of turned off by that because automatically it makes you question his sincerity in this entire process. I mean, let's face it. Tyler C. is uh, the number one guy with Instagram followers in all of Bachelor Nation. Mm -hmm. Tyler C. And he was never even The Bachelor, you know? Like, that's a huge accomplishment. (laughs) And then there was the quarantine crew. Mm -hmm. And so his painting of his quarantine time as quiet self-reflection was a little irritating. No, you were hanging out with the squad or whatever they called themselves. Yeah. And um, you were having a really, really fun time with eight of your closest friends. So I highly doubt you were thinking about when you might be your wife. Yeah, I completely (laughs) am with you. I think I've just kind of like shut off the um, anytime a bachelor or bachelorette goes on there and is like, this is my time to be vulnerable and Ugh. like talks about their self-reflection and like, I just want to meet my soulmate. I'm kind of like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Like I, I sincerely doubt it. Like that is not, this is a nice little setup to try and like get people to believe that that's why you came on. But I do genuinely believe that sometimes they fall in love or fall into like a serious relationship. Sure. Like why wouldn't you? It's such a weird circumstance. So But yeah, I just kind of like tune that out when like that conversation with his mom. When was the last time you were vulnerable? Like Like the first question out of her mouth. I cannot imagine, first of all, my mom asking me that as like a mother to daughter, let alone a mother to a son. Like it's just, no. I know. 
Mm-mm. So on my Instagram, I asked people a question. I said, choose your fighter. And I had a picture of Barb <laughs> and a picture of who I found out later. Her name is Patty. Okay. Because okay. I don't know if they ever said her name was Patty. Anyway, so it's Patty versus Barb. Shockingly, it was right down the middle. Really? Yes. Patty and Barb basically tied. Ooh, which no. I'm surprised about, which I don't know, maybe my wording, choose your fighter, technically you would want maybe Barb. She seems a little scrappier and she like would say some nasty stuff to oh, you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would take Barb any day. Barb was like sassy and like, whew, I didn't want to mess with Barb. Yeah, nobody wants to be Barb's daughter-in-law, I don't No, think. no. I mean, clearly Kelly is out of the picture. Right. So. Right. <laughs> So we meet Matt. We learn a little bit about his family. I enjoyed learning a little bit about his family's backstory. Mm -hmm. And so clearly his thing is going to be, can I put aside what I feel like is a broken love story in my family and seek one out for myself? Yeah. Which is something that we've seen time and time again Mm -hmm. on The Bachelor. It's either I want my parents' love story or I need to fix my parents' love story exactly. in my own life. Which is, you know, a nice little trope that the, the producers <laughs> keep in there for every season. Um, has it become tired? Maybe sometimes. Am I still there for it? Absolutely. Always. always. <laughs> I was surprised because the very first long video package they show of a girl is of the pro ballerina. Yeah. And she's gone in the first night. I know. I really liked her. I did too. And I was, I mean, I'm partial. Like I, I always say, like if my daughter wants to take up ballet like I am right there I will be a dance mom like hardcore (laughs) give me the bows like everything I did ballet when I was a kid and like quit when I was like five or whatever so yeah I was super excited to see the ballerina for no other reason than I just I love ballerinas and think they're just the most amazing athletes okay thank you for saying this because I have a weird obsession with ballet and I think it's because of save the last dance yes (laughs) take me back Julia Stiles in Chicago, like, right? <laughs> getting into Juilliard. Oh, I know. God. It's so intense. Like, it that is. Was, I, I really think that was my first induction, introduction to ballet. And she's, like, soaking her feet in the tub yeah. in her dad's apartment. And you're, like, right there yep. with her. Oh, God. I can still, like, feel that moment when her dad reveals, like, her closet bedroom that he, like, made for her. Oh, yeah. No, I, I'm, I love that movie. I haven't watched it in a while, and now I might go home and watch okay. it. Officially, yeah, yeah. we're rewatching. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so I was surprised she went home um, first night. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it was the dress. I, I noticed know. when she was walking away, she had kind of just like a like a little bit of a snoozer. It was just, it was a bright pink, so the color was great. But I just don't know if it like did a ton for her clearly killer body. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, he was checking out the dresses. He really he was. He very obviously did the up and down on every single woman who walked up. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, Matt, that's where we're at. In fairness, I do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, like Victoria, her dress, I was like, mm-mm. It was like very much a, a pageant queen dress, yeah. which is no like diss to pageant girls because I have a lot of friends who did pageants and they used to always judge the dresses with me when we'd watch The Bachelor. Well, yeah. um, but it was just, it just felt very generic for Victoria. And then I don't remember, I don't remember the ballerina's dress and that's probably indicative that it was not yeah. a standout. But the I did notice that um, green was a super popular color this time. Usually they're all like red, white, or black. Yeah. Um, 
And there's like an occasional like royal blue thrown in there. But there were some like stunning green dresses. Interesting. The only green dress I remember was the first girl out of the limo and it was baggy. And I didn't like that. It was ill-fitting. Was that... I don't, I don't remember her name. I don't remember anything um, other than I thought her dress was ill-fitting. <laughs> there was like a bright green one that I actually, it was okay. drapey. See, that might be the one that I And it had like the super open back. Yeah, that's and the I, one. So I liked that one. I'm all about the like drapey dresses. If you can pull okay. off like the drapey dress because you're like that model, like sure. very skinny stick figure type, I'm like, girl, go for it. See, um, and that's what I thought about um, the one woman who was wearing the black dress that like we never even got to see the complexities of it, but he remarked about how she was wearing that dress. Remember, she was the I the mean, runway model. Yeah, it was like a really interesting black dress, and that he had commented like the on the train situation. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Oh, I thought she was a stunner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was absolutely gorgeous, and he he like made her. Maybe they showed this in like the previews or something. Because I only saw the clip of it again, half paying attention. <laughs> um, and he made her do like a runway walk, and so I think that was the runway model. Okay, I must have um, missed that one, but. At least I think that's the same person. Yeah. But yeah, it was beautiful. The one that I was surprised that I kind of thought was like a meh dress was Kit, the girl who showed up in the Bentley and was like, I don't know if she's a fashion design, yeah. fashion consultant, something. And she had the short like cocktail dress mm-hmm. and it had like lots of tulle layers and stuff. And I was like, eh. I mean, it kind of yeah. looked like a 16th birthday dress to me, like a sweet, super sweet 16 kind of party dress. Right. And I was like, for a fashion designer, I would expect something like a little more sophisticated, I guess. Because she had like a chunky boot on, which yeah. I also thought was a strange pairing. I just didn't think overall it was, because I feel like men don't appreciate weird fashion in right. a first impression. Like, I don't know about your husband, but like, sometimes if my dress is a little weird, he's just like, but but why is it why is it big there? Like why is it baggy there? You know what I mean? Like that like, is the perfect way to phrase like how a man looks at yeah, a dress. Like, yeah. Just why is it? Why do you have that part? Yeah. You know, like they don't under they don't conceptualize the way that we yeah. do, and they just see like, does your body look banging in it? Yeah. You know, and I thought that that dress didn't really accentuate her figure very well. Yeah. She's clearly got a tight little figure. Yeah, I agree. I think simplicity sometimes is like the key in that mm-hmm. because unless you know you're trying to like compensate <laughs> in right. which case I guess go for it but let's be honest here if you're going on the bachelor like you've probably had months of like personal training like you're in the best physical condition yes. of your entire <laughs> life you've got like the best makeup hair everything because you've just spent hours getting ready for this so I don't feel like you need to compensate for really anything but yeah um well, I agree that's why I didn't understand why she let Queen Victoria get to her so much Ugh, and the, clearly the producers were telling her to go after Kit because Kit was so bothered by her and there was no reason to be bothered by her because she was just so ugh. I felt like she was kind of drunk she was just a slop tart like she, she was, was just ugh. slop tart yeah <laughs> you know like a pop tart I but, love it but sloppy I love yeah. it I really do <laughs> Thank you I for don't bringing know. that word into our lives. You're welcome. I It's been used for a long time, since like the college days. And, you know, my husband now uses it. And it's great. I'm, I'm very proud of that one. I think you should be, honestly. What did you think about a fellow broadcast journalist in the mix? Her oh, name was Sarah, I think. And there was another journalist, too. Oh. Um There was another one. I can't remember. She was the one that brought the lavender and just talking about how her mom gave her lavender. 
Anyway, there were a couple of journalists, but whenever I see a broadcast journalist on there, my thought always goes to like, how did you get the time off for this? <laughs> I know. Like, yeah, uh, and then I felt bad for thinking that because then she was like, well, I quit so uh, that I could take care of my dad. Oh, I didn't yeah. pay attention to that part. So, yeah. um, okay. Well, that answers that question. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, it is a good question, though. I mean, I think that's great. And I do wonder, I remember when I was, had an agent years ago, I remember in my interview with the agent, them specifically saying to me, like, we're not going to take you if you're not a serious journalist. Yeah. You have to be, like, willing to work your way up through the markets and, like, really be dedicated to your career and, like, what you want, what this is all about. We're not taking someone who just wants to get on The Bachelor. Specific words no from kidding. an agent. Um, so I always kind of go back to that because – I wonder how much of any of The Bachelor is Mm -hmm. realistic. But then also, like, are you here to build up, like, your following? Are you trying to get, like, a, you know, a gig like, you know, Jesse Palmer on ESPN here? Or, like, what is kind of your end goal? Because I don't necessarily feel like you're here for the right reasons. (laughs) Well, perfect example is Olivia Caridi. Yes. Remember, she Mm -hmm. was Ben Higgins' season. Yes. She had been a reporter somewhere. Yes. I knew East people Coast, that had maybe? worked with her. Really? Yeah. Interesting. What did they say? What's the tea? I don't really remember much, and I am not one to, like, I'm not going to throw her under the bus by any means. I remember them <laughs> saying that she was, like, meh as a reporter. Okay. And I don't – I genuinely don't remember many details. Yeah. I try not to, like – dig into their personal lives or like I just feel like everybody knows some different side of the contestants when they go on so um but yeah I think she was the perfect example of where is this gonna go like what is your end game well and what's interesting about her is that she has been so she has her own podcast but Mm -hmm. she has been on multiple others where she said she could not get back into tv because of her stint on The Bachelor. So whether I believe that, I'm not sure. But recently she was working for Delta as some sort of something or other, you know, like office-y type of job. And now she, I just listened to her most recent podcast with, I think it was with Reality Steve, and she's now going back to grad school. She's at NYU and she's trying to get into digital marketing. So she's sort of, I do not want to say that she's floundered, you know, but... But I think like that Instagram life wasn't really for her. Yeah. So, and maybe maybe podcasting now fulfills that right little you know hole. So that void. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it would certainly be a challenge because especially getting back into news specifically, I do kind of feel like you almost taint your reputation because totally. you went into reality TV, which couldn't be more opposite in so many ways from you know, media and the news. So I think that would be a huge challenge, try and get back into it. But who knows if she was trying to get to like, I don't know, an Entertainment Tonight or an Access Hollywood or something like that, then that may have been like a pretty good pathway. It's just that those opportunities are so few and far between that if something didn't come up or, you know, whatever, they didn't think that she had what it takes to to be there, then it's not going to work out. But It'd be pretty nice to have some of that uh, Instagram influencer cash to kind of like hold you over until you can figure out what what the next step is, right? Right. I mean, all I really want at the end of the day is um, some free Fabletics and a Fab Fit Fun box. Oh, yeah. 
That'd like, I nice. think that would be a Sugar bear hair? Some, just a little supplement to my income <laughs> with free products. I always think that. I'm like, wouldn't it be nice if I could get, like, the stuff that I'm targeted with on Instagram, like, just for free, just for being like, hey, use this product. I mean. I have a loyal following. Yeah. I mean, they're a small but really loyal group of folks. I would even take a HelloFresh box here and there. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I could cook cute. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm here for it. Definitely. Um, the other thing that I put on my Instagram was, which meatball scene do you prefer? The lady, whoever she was, giving Ugh. him the big giant meatball out oh. of her hand, which she rode in the limo with. <laughs> so gross. Or the old lady in the wedding singer who pays Adam Sandler in meatballs. So best meatball in a romantic comedy. Go. Oh, I got to take Adam Sandler in the wedding singer. <laughs> yes, First and he's all, winning by a landslide via Instagram polling. I mean... <laughs> That's also low-key one of my favorite movies. Yes. It is Drew Barrymore at arguably her best. Uh, Julia Gulia. Mm-hmm. When she's standing in front of the mirror saying, Julia Gulia. <laughs> it just kills me. But yeah, oh God, there was just something about him holding like the meatballs in both hands and grandma saying, I want to watch you take a bite. Classic. Put out your hands. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's just, oh. Oh, classic Adam Sandler. Yeah, just the grossness of the idea of her sitting in that limo holding that meatball, Mm. which was like oversized, and then her basically not giving him the choice to eat it, and then he ate the bite of it. And making balls jokes the whole time. Which, yeah, like, okay, you said balls. Oh, you said it again. Yeah. Okay. It's like, um, there's literally nothing that is appetizing about this. And then... Was there any significance behind the meatball? Like, my grandma has made this meatball recipe for generations, gave it to my grandfather, they fell in love type thing? Like, I don't feel Maybe like there was... Maybe she alluded to that, but yeah, that was not a standout moment by any means. I was just more like, where has that meatball been? Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> I could understand it. Like I said, if there was like some big backstory of like, how whatever, her grandparents fell in love over these meatballs or something. Yeah. I don't know. And now I'm confusing that with the lady and the tramp moment and the cold noodles. And yeah, it, the cold noodles were an absolute no for me. Yeah, I just... Then I don't she know. left the bowl in his hands and he just stood there like, now I have these cold noodles. Yeah. I always just think it's a little weird when they bring food. Like, the one girl brought pizza. I don't know. Sometimes I just get I get over, like, all of the, the really crazy antics of the first yeah. night. It's just a lot. And I feel like at a certain point, the bachelor or bachelorette has to stop reacting like there it's just like okay like what's the next thing like what's the next crazy thing that someone's gonna force me to eat or smell or touch or do or what kind of like dirty joke am I gonna have to be the butt of like right I don't know right I feel like sexual consent is important i.e like the lady in the tramp moment like Mm -hmm. I don't enjoy but also like food consent it's something we really need to introduce but really (laughs) like I, I don't know. And also, I mean, what if he was vegan? Like, You throw- don't know, sis. Yeah. Like, I mean, I get that you've insta-stalked him for however long, but I don't know. It's just, yeah. Or allergic to something weird. I don't know. And I'm sure that's all worked out with, like, producers and whatnot. But still. Right. Right. But, yeah, I don't know. I just don't like the idea of shoving your disgusting meatball hands. Yeah, especially one that's been in, like, a Ziploc bag <laughs> limo (laughs) disgusting like I'm just so disgusted I feel like we had only one standout connection moment would you agree or is there any that I'm missing where it seemed like he really vibed with somebody 
I mean, I feel like I can't remember her name. It was the girl in the green dress. I think her name, Brie? There was that one, and then definitely Abigail, the one that he kissed and gave the first impression rose to. Yeah. But that was definitely, like, the standout one, which I was like, oh, all right. Yes. This is good. I I appreciate this. I do, too, because I feel like he really, like, something about their banter just worked right off the bat. They had a very, very natural banter, Mm -hmm. especially compared to some of the more awkward exchanges that he had had earlier in the night. So I thought right away their energy matched. And I thought that was cool. Yeah, it was just, it was so natural. And I appreciated that it felt like a conversation I could be having on a first date, whenever that was years ago. (laughs) But like, you know, it just, it felt like, it felt relatable. And when you're watching a show like The Bachelor, those relatable moments just don't happen very often. And I really appreciated that. And so that definitely drew me in. And I just, I appreciated that she's not like, over the top, like super done up. Like she just looked like a normal girl, normal woman. I don't even know how old she is. I mean, half the time there are like 23, 24 or whatever. I have no idea, but I was just like, yeah, it just seemed like a natural connection. She seemed like a normal girl. Like this just all felt relatable. Yeah. Um, She felt very secure in herself, Mm -hmm. it looked like. And um, I'm sure she would say that she was terribly nervous and, you know, worried about, you know, the insecurities that she has. But overall, I thought she came off as completely herself. As we've seen in past seasons, being yourself is like the key to the show. Um, And I, yeah, I think that was really cool that she was able to get in that information about her family and how her sister is also deaf and her sister paved the way for her. So you got to learn some of that backstory, but it wasn't just like jammed down his throat and, you know, forced on him where like, hey, you have to digest my entire family history right right now. Listen here. Yeah. It was just like a, yeah, this is just who I am. And like, I am this way because my sister was deaf as well. I learned a lot from her. And I don't know, that just like, it was nice. It was nice to see. So I'm really excited to see how that kind of goes out. I wonder if she'll get the first one-on-one date. I feel like the first impression rose usually gets one of the first um, one-on-one dates. So I'm curious to see. Where do you think they're going to take this season? Because from the preview, we get a lot of surprises via new people and I wasn't sure what they were alluding to because it never is what it appears to be I am spoiler free for the first time in seasons many 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 seasons number one reality Steve doesn't have much Mm -hmm. and I figured as long as he doesn't have much maybe I should just go with it Mm -hmm. so I'm gonna remain spoiler free so I honestly do not know what they're alluding to with who these girls are that are (laughs) appearing to come in or someone he appears to know. And then they're talking about sugar babies. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I, that was weird. The, oh, the, um, yeah, she has sugar. She was a sugar baby, which was like a website, I think. So it was basically like, um, I mean, I, I, I don't know if it was legal. I don't know. I just remember hearing about it when it first started up about how you could basically sign up as a girl go online or a woman go online and find a sugar daddy and I mean it was basically prostitution I think um but with handbags I think so (laughs) 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 and shoes um but so yeah that was a little 
little weird. I don't know about the sugar babies thing and all of that. I mean, again, that like you said, that always, it's never what it seems to be. Heather coming on, though, the blonde chick. That, yeah, what do we know about her? So it was unclear to me that he, does he know her? Which I'm like, well, how does he know her? Was she part of, like, the quarantine crew? Because I, I genuinely don't remember what season she was on. I know she was on. Oh, a, she was on a season? Yes. Oh, I didn't know this. I, I Maybe it was Colton's season. Oh. But I don't remember okay. exactly. It's got to be Colton's because it feels like it was pretty recent. Okay. I was really proud of my husband, Grant, because he's watching this and he's like, I know her. <gasps> she was on something. And I was like, I've never been so proud that you recognize Bachelor and Bachelorette contestants. Oh, that's um, amazing. And then he also pointed, he's like, this is just terrible editing. And I was like, oh, my little journalism heart is just like <laughs> going a flutter. Um, I don't get why Heather is on there because this felt, it feels very um, Nick Vile when Nick Vile came on okay. to, um, was it Caitlin's season in like yes. the middle and was just like, I need to see if this will work. And that just, it never does. So it actually felt to me like they were trying, like, editors and producers were trying to really hype up this season when maybe there aren't actually that many surprises. Right. Which would be really refreshing if it was kind of like a normal, boring season where it's just like you're watching these relationships unfold and there are some really terrible contestants and some really great ones. He has to make hard decisions. If we could go back to like the Ben season, the Ben, Jojo, and... okay. What was, was it Lauren? There all, there's always yes, a Lauren. Lauren. Um, <laughs> that was like the last time I can remember having a really good Bachelor season. Okay. And it was. I felt like that was a pretty boring season, but it ended really well with like a very tumultuous like final episode, trying to telling both of them he loves them and yeah. making the difficult decision. I think it might be kind of boring, and they just kind of hyped it up with some great yeah. editing or poor editing, depending on how you look at it. I interviewed Ben when he <gasps> came to the Quad Cities. Oh my gosh. Maybe like three years ago. He had just broken up with Lauren when he oh. came to the Quad Cities as part of the John Deere Classic. He oh. came for, um, what do you call it? What do you call it when somebody, like the Pro-Am? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that a thing? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, so he like, he came as the celebrity guest in the Pro-Am. Wow, he was the celebrity mm-hmm. in the Pro-Am? Yeah. <laughs> what other, like what guy I guess is like sign me up I want to be with bachelor Ben yeah that's a good point I don't know why or how but like other celebrities have been it's a lot of times country singers okay who are in that the makes program. sense big one recently was we had Bill Murray come oh and so he had a very large following that day on the course yeah, my husband would have died <laughs> Bill Murray is like my husband and his family's like oh idol basically yeah so well, Ben was there, and his parents were golfing with him. Okay. And so he was very cute about his parents and, like, made sure to introduce them to me and very tall. Oh. Which I'm very tall, so the fact that he was taller than me, that was, like, a very nice moment. Very, very good looking. Like, really? Like, you think he's good looking, but he's, like, really good looking. Oh. So, yeah, he was a delight to me. He was, he I'm was very really, jealous. very nice. Yes. Oh. I've met him, and I've met um, Chris Souls. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Chris was from Iowa. Yes. So. Yes. Or so is from I, Iowa. I actually randomly last night went back to uh, the story that I did with Chris because they let us go on a group date <gasps> when he was in Des Moines. Oh. Mm-hmm. So they let us go to the group date and I couldn't report anything about it until it aired, you know, so I couldn't, I couldn't even say like what I was doing that day. Yeah. 
But anyway, so so I went back and I read and I watched like the old story that I did on it the other day, and it was just like such a trip back in time. <laughs> Chris, also very tall, also more handsome than you expect. Okay. Um, and I would say, even though they're both, they both come off as very, like, down-to-earth guys, Chris was a little more aw shucks than Ben, Aww. you know? He yeah. was a little, little like, I'm the bachelor, that's neat, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I might have to post that on my Facebook yeah. as a little, uh, a little throwback Thursday. Oh, I'm jealous. I don't think I've ever actually met... Or even seen in the wild, like a real ba- <laughs> bachelor or bachelorette contestant. Um, I feel like everybody I know knows somebody who has been on The Bachelor or something. Um, and I don't. I don't know anybody personally. Um, I have a friend whose husband played football with Matt at Wake Forest. Interesting. And so immediately when I saw the clip of him playing football at Wake Forest, I was like, oh my gosh. And I was like, Laura, tell me everything. Um, and it, they weren't like the same year. They were. They did play on the same team and everything, but there was quite an age gap. But all he said was he's an absolute sweetheart, a te- total teddy bear at heart, a really good guy. So I was like, oh, thank God. Because if you told me otherwise, I would have been very upset about it because I was really excited for the season. So. Right. Well, and that's honestly my only concern about Matt because as a member of the Tyler C. crew, they could have some really fun days ahead of continuing to go out, date Victoria's Secret models, and mm-hmm. see where the road takes him, especially after Bachelor fame has arrived. So I do have questions about whether he really wants to meet someone and yeah. really wants to settle down with someone. And maybe he doesn't even know mm-hmm. if he does. I agree with you. I don't, I mean, why would you want to give up that, like, South Florida life mm-hmm. when if you're in the Tyler C entourage like that is your life is made right and that is not a knock against Tyler I am I mean I didn't approve of his quarantine crew and like all of the outings that they had I just felt like it was not very responsible but at the same time I'm like is still a huge Tyler fan um and just very much there for any of the antics that are going to go on in this season because I mean Tyler has to show up in this season right like he has to like he has they're best friends like he has to come up so I'm here for it (laughs) all right Jillian what else do we want to say about this season um I don't know I'm I'm just super excited I feel like it's it's fluff. It's like just that perfect little thing that you need at the end of your day during a pandemic. Like it's just nice to have. It feels normal, you know, to get excited for a Monday night again. And I feel like it's something that we've been lacking. Like all of our shows, like we get like seasons of a show or something on Netflix and then we're anxiously awaiting the next season. And who knows when they're going to even be able to start filming some of those right? next seasons. So it's just nice to have like one of our shows back and like a little piece of normalcy in a time and a year where life has been anything but. I'm excited for it and especially that we have I think, a good Bachelor uh, to, to watch it with. My thanks to Jillian for being on a mother level today and for sticking around for a little Bachelor breakdown. Hopefully she will come back a little bit later on in the season and we can see how the season has progressed. For now, though, please go to my Instagram page. It's at on a mother level. You can also find Jillian on Instagram. So I will tag her in these posts so that you can follow along with her and her brand new journey on Good Morning Quad Cities. 
So for now, this is on a mother level. No matter where you are, we can relate. You have been listening to the WQAD Podcast Network. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.